we all have a personal myth, which is our story. It includes our origin story, where we're from, what we grew up thinking, doing, what we love, what we hate. It's basically the story we tell ourselves about ourselves. When we tell that story, we're either telling something about the past or the future or the now. Welcome, I'm Eric. For over 40 years, I've lived many of my dreams by approaching life like a hero's journey. Awaken Your Myth is where I share the skills and ideas to support you in transforming your life into a hero's journey. A life that's closer to your dreams, helps others, and makes a positive impact on the world. For many years, I was trapped in my story of my past. And I was defining the future based on that story of the past. When I started to get in touch with that space in the middle, the present, things started to come together a lot better for me. And I found a way to start moving from a new space, a space that wasn't about clinging too much to my dreams for the future or clinging too much to my feelings about the past. Well, there's a great quote by Adyashanti. What is worthwhile to orient your life around? As a question, what is worthwhile to orient your life around? If you don't decide, your conditioning will decide for you. And this was something I realized late in life, that I was being driven by so many things that I hadn't made any decisions about. And this is also a part of our personal myth. It is the things that we haven't decided. It's the story of us that other people have told us. And we just own it because we've owned it for so long. And when we start to look at that, when we really start to say, okay, which parts of this are who I am? Which parts of this are who other people have made me or decisions that I made about myself that I had really nothing to do with? We get a whole new sense of what the possibilities could be. And that's why Awaken Your Myth basically is built around five pillars that help us get into the present and connect with our authentic self. There's nothing that makes a better story, first of all, than authenticity. And second of all, there's no better way to get in touch with what your actual deepest, truest dreams are than to know who you are. And it's funny, too, because every hero's journey story, um, and a lot of this is built around the concept of the hero's journey, if you know it from um, Joseph Campbell's work. But if you don't, I'll just fill you in real quick. The hero's journey is basically the oldest story. And Joseph Campbell called it the monomyth. It's the story, of, it's Star Wars, basically. The story of the hero who reluctantly goes out into the world to answer a call and is challenged. Um, and through that challenge, finds out who they are has to surrender to the situation, has to find new ways to deal with things, to 
to overcome these challenges of the dragon in the cave that's sitting on the treasure. And there's always treasure. There's always something in these stories that is revealed and brought back to the greater community. And it isn't just a journey of outer treasure. It isn't about just getting rich and bringing money back to the community. It's really a journey inward. It's about finding that treasure inside of us. Because on this journey, we're challenged. We're challenged basically to answer one question, which is, who am I? And that is the foundation of Awaken Your Myth. It's taking that personal myth that we all have and then saying, but really, who am I? These are the things I might tell someone if they ask me at a dinner party. You know, my name is Eric. I have a podcast. I'm writing a book. Um, I'm in my late 50s and I live in a cabin in the woods. That's the way most of us describe ourselves. But when we start to look more deeply, and this was the part that really kind of rocked my world, when you take the question of who am I and take it all the way to its deepest core, it doesn't return a conceptual answer. The answer comes from somewhere else. And the journey to getting to that answer isn't in transcendence of the world. It's not in sitting in a meditation to get rid of bad feelings and replace them with good feelings. It's not in any goal, really, in the outside world. But we all still have to live a life. And we all still have dreams that revolve around activities in the outside world. And to combine those two with a knowledge of self gained through a journey through the world that we all live in, that's what Awaken Your Myth is all about. There's five pillars to Awaken Your Myth. Mindfulness, surrender, transformation, healing, and storytelling. The whole idea behind it was that I wanted to take everything I'd learned in my life, all the mistakes, all the wins, all the insights, and put it into a system I would have wanted when I first started on this journey when I was, I don't know, 18 years old. I first took like my first interest in spirituality and kind of like, what is life all about really? And so it's basically the boiling down of everything life's taught me. I went my whole 20s uh, and into my 30s even thinking money was going to give me freedom. And I thought that pleasure was happiness. So a lot of the goals that I was chasing up to my, uh, up to my 40s, really, were about pleasure and happiness. Um, come to find out, when I finally had all the pleasure goals that I could think of taken care of, I sat down one day, and this was in my late 40s. I went, what now? What do, I, what do I do now? Still not happy. 
I have everything I wanted to bring me pleasure. And I'm still not happy. What's missing? And there were some key things missing. There were some key things missing. A part of that was the mindfulness practice, the ability to actually get out of my head, get out of my desire and aversion, like either pushing away or pulling towards me mindset to one of present moment awareness of who I am right now. Again, coming back to that question, who am I? And so starting a mindfulness practice, which could be anything. It doesn't need to be meditation. A lot of times people are uh, put off by mindfulness because they're like, I tried to meditate and it made me feel squirrely and I hate it. Um, I get that. When I first tried to meditate, I hated it. Uh, and then for the longest time when I would try to meditate, I would only fall asleep because I had so much resistance to meditation that there was just, you know, my my mind would literally shut down, then my body would shut down and I'd be sleeping. Um, and that isn't the only way to meditate. There are I've, The other way I meditate now is walking every day. Walking meditation, and like especially walking in nature, can be the most healing, the most centering, the, one of the best ways to bring us into the moment and, and a, a true expression of our authentic self. Other ways to meditate are, um, Sarah and I were talking about this just a couple of weeks ago, rock climbing. When I was in my late 20s, I discovered rock climbing. I'm not a rock climber anymore. Um, but there were these moments up on real rock or even on a rock wall in the gym where my mind just shut off and I was fully engaged in my senses in the moment, hanging by my fingers and toes from, you know, a wall or a rock. And the real key to mindfulness is that non-judgmental present moment awareness. So we're taking attention which is the most powerful thing we have really in our as humans where we put our attention it's one of the only things we can really choose in life and and we can't always choose it you know there are plenty of people who are unable to choose where their attention goes for one reason or another um, but while we can choose it we can make choices that uh, that make life better that can be done through any kind of mindfulness practice that works for you. What's important about it is without that space, that quiet space, we don't have access to that non-conceptual knowing of self that I was talking about earlier. When we ask the question, who am I? All that comes back is chatter. The mind answers it. Um, and so we're constantly trying to go, well, I'm this person who doesn't have this, or I'm this person who does want that. And those things are all fine, and they're true. But the access to a deeper, non-conceptual understanding of who we are really changes a lot. And it only takes a glimpse to make, you know, to make a big difference mindfulness can can start to open up the gap between attention sensation and thought think of it like this way here's sensation here's thought 
all day long, we have a sensation and it sets us off into a thought loop. You know, I'm, I feel like my face gets red and my I feel like energy come up from my gut to my throat. And, and all of a sudden I'm angry. And then I'm, let's say I'm in a car and there's somebody who just cut me off. And then the finger goes up and the, you know, all the think thoughts about who is that person? What were they thinking? But what mindfulness gives us is a way to get into that gap between that feeling, that moment where we first experience a physical sensation and all the thoughts that come after it. Because those thoughts aren't real, they're not necessary, and they're not anything other than normally getting in our way. So for the thoughts we do want, great, we can keep those. But once we can break that reactivity, mindfulness gives us the ability to get into that gap. Thanks for listening. If this helped you, please follow the podcast and share it with a friend. And if you feel sometimes like you're not living up to your full potential, you're not alone. To get support for your journey of self-discovery, come join us at awakenyourmyth.com.